Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we've taken a lot of time recently to focus on all the transfer portal and coaching changes, but today we're going to spotlight a lot of the players that surprised all of us by returning for another year of school and how that is going to impact the CFF landscape in 2023. Hashtag not done yet, hashtag unfinished business. We'll also take a little bit of time to catch up on some of those transfer and coaching news from this past week. In order to help with us, we have our resident uh, CFF IDP expert Justice from Campus Canon on for the show. All this and more coming up right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Again, we're back at it. Really turning over the page over into 2023. Um, we got plenty of things to discuss over the next coming weeks. We got the way too early mock draft special, which will be coming to you guys in the next couple of weeks. So right now, we just kind of have to sit back and think about what all is the landscape for 2023, who all is coming back, who is leaving for the draft. We're going to highlight some of that for you guys here today. In order to help us out with that, we have Mr. Justice from the Campus Kent and CFF team, our resident IDP expert, on with the show for us today. Justice, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. NFL's on. The, game, the games have been uh, pretty decent so far, so... Hopefully that'll continue throughout the day. Yeah, the Seahawks 49ers game was good for about three quarters, and then the 49ers just took over. And then, man, that that Chargers Jacksonville game last night, man, that, that was, was insane. That was absolutely nuts. Yeah, and I, I'm happy for I'm happy for Tre- Trevor Lawrence again. You four you throw four picks in the first half, and you come back and you throw four touchdowns in the second half to get your team to win. That's why he's the number one overall pick right there, folks. Yep. So, sure. yeah, we got a we got a load of show today. Again, our main topic today is we're going to focus on some of these players that a lot of us really thought were going off to the draft, and they kind of threw us a curveball and said, "Nope, we're coming back for another year." So we're going to highlight some of those guys, talk about how it may impact some other CFF players, and how, what are uh, some of the dominoes that it, it has caused throughout the landscape. And then next week, we're going to talk about some of those players that. We thought we're going to come back another year and decide to go off to the draft. So that'll be next week. And again, we're also going to talk about some of the transfer portal news, some of the coaching changing news. Uh, we're going to leave that towards the end of the show this time because, again, we don't want that to be the main topic every single week from here on out. And we'll hit all of that towards the end of the show if you want to hear about that. So before we get started and everything, of course, guys, you know what I have to do. And no, it is not the spiel. It is me bragging about my Georgia Bulldogs going back to back, baby. Got the shirt already. Got everything. It was incredible. Uh, sorry, TCU fans. Really sorry, all of college football fans for not giving y'all a good game whatsoever. Uh, but as a Georgia fan, I enjoyed every minute of it. It, it was it, Yeah, it wasn't 
from an entertainment standpoint, it wasn't a great game, but um, you know, TCU won the game to beat Michigan, and so they were there, and it is what it is, you know. I, I, I do have a real big problem with some of the people like some of the people afterwards who were talking about the like, oh, the playoff committee got it wrong. I'm like, how can you possibly no. say that when TCU went and beat Michigan? Like we everybody agreed Michigan belonged there after the season that right. they had, they beat Ohio State. So for TCU to then beat them, like, yeah, there's a, it was a bit of a fluky game. There were some pick sixes. There were some things that you wouldn't expect to happen nine out of ten times in that game. But regardless, TCU went in and proved it by winning that game. Yep. Again, it, it, it was definitely I, weird. I, I'm still not sure how that one wasn't a touchdown when his rear end landed in the end zone. That one, that still baffles me. I don't understand that at all. But, you know, it stuff was, happens, right? Yeah, again, crap happens. Michigan should never have let that game be close enough to where the refs could have decided it, even if it was a right. truly baffling decision by the refs. I mean, again, they made a lot of mistakes, so. Exactly. Again, you throw two pick sixes, you can't be that mad. Yep. So, but again, congratulations to my Georgia Bulldogs. We uh, had a wonderful week celebrating. Unfortunately, we did get some terrible news this morning about one of our projected starting O-linemen, uh, Devin Willick. Uh, and one of our uh, recruiting staff, uh, Chandler LaCroix, uh, both passed away in a car wreck this morning. So thoughts to, the, thoughts to their family, thoughts to um, everybody involved with that. The entire team is grieving, I know, right now. Uh, so again, if, if you're praying people, go ahead and throw a little extra prayer in for them and everybody involved with that. But not to ke- not to keep this on a downer note, we'll get right into our main body of our show here. But before I do that, now I'm going to give you guys my spiel. And that is the fact that if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure you follow us on uh, all of our podcast platforms, whether that be Spotify, whether that be Apple Podcasts. We're pretty much available on all of those uh, platforms there. Uh, and make sure that you leave those five star reviews as well. My my apologies, y'all. For some reason, my computer just froze up there for a second, so I got a little thrown off there. But even anyway, you guys know the spiel. We're part of the awesome CFF team over here at Campus of Canton. It's myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley, Chris K, and Ethan Sowers, uh, part of the DFS team, and of course our great friend Mr. Justice here, our resident CFF IDP expert. If you are doing any sort of IDP. Uh, you need to be reaching out to this man. Justice, can you drop your Twitter handle real quick for anybody who might want to DM you about that? At Justice underscore 2318. All right, perfect. Again, you, you need scoring issues, You have or you have any kind of questions about how to set that kind of stuff up, this is the man right here for you guys to set that up. And I would not recommend doing a CFF IDP league your very first year, but if you are a seasoned veteran of CFF and you want to add a new wrinkle to your league's, Definitely a very fun way to get involved with that. And again, Justice is your man on that. Make sure you go check out all the awesome other content we have at campusagantin.com. On the CFF side, we have articles. We have rankings that will be coming out here in the next couple of months. We will be... um, And again, if you're in a C2C league, Devi league, CFF league, it is all available for you guys right over there. Go check it all out. All right, Justice, let's get involved with some of these returning players and really no other place to start than RQB1 
from this past year. That is Mr. Bo Nix coming back for his fifth year. A lot of people thought that after the incredible year that he had, he would be off to the NFL draft, former five-star quarterback, kind of finally proving it, throwing for over 3,500 yards, uh, 43 touchdowns throughout the year, 29 passing, 14 rushing. What do we think about this, uh, Justice? Like, um, again, I'm obviously, surpri- I was surprised. Yeah, go ahead. You surprised? I, mean, I, I, I was surprised he came back. Right. I mean, hopefully he can. I mean, I, I guess there's no reason to believe he can't repeat. You know, similar numbers. I, I, I would expect. I don't know that he'll have 14 rushing touchdowns again, but um, just given the year that he had thought maybe he'd want to go on a high note in terms of, you know, his NFL and draft stock, but maybe he wants to try to prove he can do it again and, and improve that stock even more. Um, I, mean, I think next year's draft class, at least from the, at the very, very top, the QBs are better than this year. But mm-hmm. um, the other thing is maybe he realizes he's not going to necessarily be, a, or doesn't think he's going to be a top pick. So he wants to come back to school. So I, you know, I can't blame someone for that right being a no. you know late a late round fifth sixth seventh round draft pick and versus college go to college right get Good. i mean i assume he's getting nil money so yeah that's what i was to say I, I bet you the nil money that he's getting right now is any is much better than what he would be getting as a fifth sixth round quarterback off the board right now the other part of it is yes he proved himself in terms of his own stats this year but again let's not forget oregon kind of fell apart a little bit near the end of the year lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have didn't make the conference championship when it really looked like that they were kind of the favorite throughout most of the year i think excuse me i think he's coming back to that's his unfinished business it's not his own stats he wants to help oregon get back to the pac-12 championship knowing what they could have done last year a couple of things to note with him here Uh, They are getting a new offensive coordinator this year. They have Will Stein coming over from UTSA. uh, UTSA not shy about having dual threat quarterbacks. If you were a fan of Frank Harris's past year, really, I don't think there's any reason to be truly afraid here. I think we have all the indications that he'll be able to utilize Bo Nix very well with his skill set. You kind of touched on it, Justice, a little bit. Another point I want to make. I don't know if 14 rushing touchdowns will be in the cards again, uh, especially with him only rushing 80, 89 attempts. That basically means like one out of six rushing attempts he had was a touchdown. I don't see that happening again this year. And um, in terms of how this impacted CFF in general, well, first of all, I think with Ty Thompson coming back this year as well, he didn't enter the transfer portal, and it sounds like he's not going to. I think his stock is basically dead in the water at this point because you have Bo Nix here and then you have some pretty talented uh, young guys coming in behind them. You got Austin Novosad, the the four-star freshman quarterback coming in this year. The other other thought that I kind of had here was, did Bo Nix coming back scare off two different quarterbacks? One, Dante Moore, who is now flipped from Oregon over to UCLA. I think maybe Dante Moore was looking for a place where he would legitimately have a shot to be the number, the top guy year one. Now I think NIL was also a very big part of it from everything I've heard about Dante Moore, but he basically flipped over to UCLA where I think he has a chance to start over Colin Schley in year one. I think Colin Schley is probably the favorite still, but I think this might've scared off Dante Moore. I also think that this also scared off uh, DJ Uyangalele. You're looking at a guy who is coming out of Clemson. His br- younger brother just committed to Oregon as well. 
and it made a lot of sense for if Bo Nix had left, DJU could come in as an experienced Power 5 quarterback, and maybe this is a place that they could rehabilitate him. Again, they rehabilitated Nix's stock, but even so, Nix comes back, and where does DJU land? Oregon State. Clearly, <laughs> or clearly, Uyunglele was looking at the West Coast here. I think he was probably looking at the Ducks before Nix came back. What are your thoughts on this, Justice? Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly makes sense, right? Like he'd want, you'd think he'd want to join his brother. Uh, I think most people thought Nix would not return, so yeah, for sure. I think that definitely makes sense. Um, Ty Thompson, yeah, I, I I agree. His, I mean, if you, if you have him in a dynasty, I guess it's not the worst thing to hold on to him. Um, kind of see how it plays out with him and Novosad, but um, yeah, I think. Uh, like you said, Nick's Nick's rushing touchdowns. I expect maybe like eight ish, somewhat something in that range seems more reasonable. I think. Yeah. Um, and you know, UT, UTSA still ran the ball very well with their running back. So, um, whereas uh, you know maybe this past season Oregon would use Nick's more around the goal line. I don't necessarily. I mean, not to say it won't happen, but I don't think it's going to happen to the same degree that it happened this past year. Yeah. I would, I would definitely, definitely agree. It's the reason why, like, I don't automatically have Bo Nix as my number one quarterback for this next upcoming year. Not solidified where I'm going to quite have him yet. I'm still working on my initial rankings, and good lord, that is a process currently, especially with our first drafts coming up here. Uh, mock drafts, we're not drafting any kind of best balls or anything yet, but it's it's definitely a doozy right now in terms of where to put him. I think it's interesting, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's good for him that Tez Johnson came there, right? His stepbrother. Yeah, and so, exactly. you know, that, I mean, he didn't, he didn't lose any, he didn't really lose any like significant weapons in the passing game. Nope. Um, You know, I know uh, Thornton left, but uh, he does get Tez Johnson there. And so I think that's only going to help. Yeah. And Sean Holden, who's got plenty of experience from Alabama. Troy Franklin is number one guy comes back. I, I'm very high on Troy Franklin this next year. We will definitely see. Another Pac-12 offense that basically the whole thing's coming back, so we can talk about all of them here a little bit, but we're going to focus in on their quarterback, who I think surprised everybody more than anybody else that he would come back, and that is Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback out of Washington. This past year, he was the QB8 for CFF, passed for over 4,500 yards. Uh, Dude was just absolutely insane through the air. 35 touchdowns total, 31 through the air, four on the ground. A little bit of a dual threat there. But like I said, in addition to Penix coming back, his top two receivers are coming back. Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze, who are the wide receiver 18 and 17, respectively, this past year. Justice, your immediate thoughts on Michael Penix. And I have to think he's probably easily a, I'd say, top five quarterback definitely top 10 for most people's rankings going into next year absolutely especially for a six uh six touchdown six point uh touchdown passing um absolutely i mean maybe you're gonna knock him a little bit um if it's a four point you know passing touchdown just because he doesn't rush a whole ton um but yeah for sure uh top five and and the fact that all those receivers came back that's just I was actually surprised. I figured at least one of McMillan or Adunze would go to the NFL or, you know, test the waters with the draft. Um, um, But, yeah, Washington, they should even be even better next year, right? Two years in that system. Um, They, uh, 
you know, hopefully they can get a, a more consistent running game, um, sure. which is only going to you know help them out. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I think Penix is definitely a he's definitely a top five quarterback and in, moving into next year. I'm not totally surprised he came back because again, I think he was a at best he's a late round quarterback in the draft. So um, another year of production will definitely think help him in that regards yeah he's definitely in the midst of a big time rehabilitation campaign uh be- definitely killed it the year after killing the uh killing uh the boar left indiana terrible year for him reunites with him great year so far hopefully he can do it again um you kind of mentioned washington with the running back situation i really like the acquisition they got of uh dylan johnson coming in from mississippi state I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping a bridge too far here, but he definitely reminds me a little bit of Ronnie Rivers, who DeBoer had at Fresno State. And if he can kind of become that lead back for Washington, it could definitely be fun there. And just another weapon for Michael Penix to have in that offense. In terms of how this impacted everything, uh, two this impacted it twofold. First of all, Sam Heward, the five-star quarterback that was on the roster there who Penix beat out for the starting job, he has finally entered the portal. A lot of people have been wondering why he waited so long. Don't know. I don't know the guy, but again, he's finally entered the portal. We'll see where he lands up. The other part of it is that Kineholtz uh, is a quarterback that was committed to Washington pretty much up until early signing day for the most part in the last weeks he- heading up to it Ohio State flips Kineholds out of no- I don't want to say out of nowhere cuz I think this is part of the reason is that Kineholds probably saw an opportunity to start pretty early on here at Washington Penix comes back and he's like nah heck I'll go over to Ohio State and it definitely kind of leaves a question mark as to where Washington goes next with their quarterback after Penix leaves after this year, because this is Penix's final year, unless he gets injured, redshirt injury, redshirt uh, injury year or whatever. Um, so that's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for, and I definitely, again, we're already th- I'm thinking a year ahead here, but this feels like a big well, time transfer landing sport. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of have to, but this feels like a big time transfer landing spot for next year. Any more thoughts you have on Michael Penix, Justice? Um, not necessarily Penix, but just Washington in general. Yeah, I'm. 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 I was a little surprised that Kynels flipped to Ohio State. I personally don't know that he'll ever start there. Um, but the, the other thing I wanted to say real quick is, from a, a transfer perspective, someone that I think got new life is uh, the receiver Bernard transferring from Michigan State. Yeah, so Jeremy Bernard. Yep, if you're in a dynasty league, you know, some something to look for for possibly next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be hard for him to get on the year get on the field yeah, this year. Have, yeah, for sure. Because when you have McMillan, when you have a dude and you got Polk all coming back from what it seems yep. like. But even so, he'll be that next man up, it looks like big time. Yeah, I, I added Polk in a lot of leagues at the end of the year, hoping that Odunze and McMillan would leave. <laughs> didn't work out. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Exactly, exactly. All right, another quarterback we can talk about here returning from the or returning for his I believe this is his final year, but it is Jaden Daniels, the quarterback out of LSU. Definitely a lot of us were thinking that he would end up going off to the draft after the great year that he had, much better than I thought personally that he would have at LSU. I personally thought the entire time 
He was uh, too lanky to, like, he would get beat up in an SEC schedule. Performed very, very well, particularly his rushing, 186 rushing attempts for 885 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground. And his passing was no slouch either. Again, almost 3,000 yards passing, throws 17 touchdowns, only three interceptions. Like, again, very, very good year for Jane Daniels and getting his team to the SEC championship. You would think that this was like an opportunity for him to say, hey, I had a great final year. Let's go to the draft. He decides... No, I'm coming back. And so now we're in the midst of a, according to the LSU staff, a quarterback, quote unquote, battle between him and Garrett Nussmeyer. I feel like this is all about keeping Nussmeyer on the yeah. roster. There's no way that Jaden Daniels is not going to start next year as much as I love Garrett Nussmeyer. I personally think Garrett Nussmeyer needs to enter the portal yesterday and go find himself a job because he's just going to be stuck there behind him for another year. Walker Howard, the five-star freshman quarterback from this past year, bit smarter in my opinion. He's already transferred out, and the rumored destination for him currently is TCU. And so he goes there to TCU, sits behind Chandler Morris for a year, starts with Sonny Dykes in a year. I think Walker Howard's looking great there, but... This definitely threw a wrench in a lot of people's plans for LSU next year because, again, a lot of people were assuming Daniels is gone. Let's get Nussmeyer in. Nussmeyer looked great in the SEC championship against Georgia. If they can kind of get back to that pass-heavy offense, it could definitely be a lot of fun there. But we get Jay Daniels back, a the QB 11 from last year. I think he is going to be incredible. Justice, your thoughts on Mr. Daniels? Um, Like you, I'm surprised that Nussmeyer didn't leave. I think I personally think Nussmeyer is the better quarterback, but I agree with you. I don't necessarily. I I think that I could see them, you know, playing them both, right? Depending on true game game script, um, which is not a win for anybody <laughs> for as far as fantasy goes. Jaden Daniel, he's just so inconsistent. Um, I think you know, even like look at it from a fantasy perspective, like you know, he'll have 40, 30 point games, and the next two games will get you fifteen points. Um, and so him coming back um, doesn't necessarily excite me. It disappoints me for my Nussmeyer shares, but um, I mean, I don't, I, I would never be personally comfortable drafting Daniels um, unless there's kind of, unless there's a lot of clarity um, in, in the situation there. I just think even if, if he is a starter, he's just so, I just, he's just so inconsistent from a game to game basis that i you know you you get you have to pick your starts with him like in a best ball league he's great right because true you don't have to pick when he's going to bust out for you know 40 50 points but um in a a regular league he's probably someone that i would avoid um i do think uh you know lsu in general um should be just as good if not better than next you know next this past year Mm-hmm. Um, they don't lose a whole lot in the passing. I know they lose Boutte, but I, I don't think that that, from a team perspective, they're losing a whole lot. Um, he seemed to, when the games I watched, he seemed to be checked out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, a little so, bit of uh, addition by subtraction. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, that they, they have another, you know, a whole year off season with with Kelly and that uh, and that coaching staff. So, you know, I, I think they will, they should do better. Um, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they need to find a running back. I mean, Josh Williams, I think, did okay there. I don't know that he's necessarily 
the answer long term. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic about Jane Daniels, which is weird because I poo pooed him pretty much all of last season. But you're again, you get another off season, give him another off season of starting reps. Like this time last year, it was between him, Nussmeyer, and Miles Brennan, really. For a good chunk of the offseason, none of them really got full-time starters reps. I think Jaden Daniels, again, as much as they say it's a QB competition, I think they'd be doing a disservice to both of these guys if they truly split the number one reps throughout the offseason. Just pick a guy, let the other guy transfer out, find a different place to go, or just be honest with Daniels and say, we're going to move forward, Nussmeyer, go to the draft, you had a really good year. I'm not sure I love the way they're handling this right now, but... I still think Daniels is a starter next year. I still think that if he is the unquestioned starter by the season start, he'll have a bit more confidence. I think you're going to see a bit less of a game-to-game variance in terms of his scoring. I think he'll be a very safe play. His legs are going to keep him involved in most week-to-week. Like That's going to give you a nice, safe floor pretty much any given week unless LSU just completely bottoms out in any of those games. But I think I think they're too good to do so, so... We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I guess ahead. I'm just tr- I'm troubled by the the less than one point that he scored against Arkansas. When he played <laughs> the entire game. You True. Know? That was a we- <laughs> that was a weird game, though. That was a really weird game. All right, last quarterback we're gonna mention here uh, again. A lot of a lot of these like surprising players returning are quarterbacks, so that's why we're focusing so much on them. We're about to move into some running backs, wide receivers. We even have a tight end here at the very end. We'll talk about. But last quarterback we'll talk about here, Cameron Rising. Again, another guy that kind of people were thought were was kind of done. They won the Pac-12 championship. Didn't do so hot in the Rose Bowl, obviously. But, you know, winning the Pac-12 after playing for it three years in a row, you got to love that for him. Uh, this past year, threw for about 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, ran 77 times for almost 500 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. Our QB 27 from this past year. Justice, what are your thoughts on Cameron Rising coming back for one last year? Um, I think he can. I think he's someone that can improve his draft stock um, for sure with with a big year. I, again, I think he kind of like Bo Nix. I think he feels like you know that Utah can do something more than what they did. This you know, as far as you know, and, and make maybe possibly making the playoffs next year. Um, they definitely have the best defense in the Pac-12 for sure, mm-hmm. um, and like, and he doesn't really lose any weapons. Uh, so, well, I mean, they lose Kincaid, but they get they get Kuthi back. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's he. I, I'd rather have him than Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think he's a little more consistent, um, and maybe he maybe he's someone that can can kind of take that next step up, right? With 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 as far as from a fantasy fantasy standpoint and just a you know production standpoint in general. Um to show that he's ready for the NFL and improve his draft stock. See, I'm gonna disagree with you here a little bit, Justice. I I think this is it. This is what we get out of Cameron Rising. I don't see how what he can really do next year that would improve on what he's already done here. Like again 3,000 passing yards seems about right what I expect for him next year. About 500 rushing yards. I like that. But again, this is where I'll probably be drafting him. He's going to be right around my QB 20 to 25 range. 
I will grab him as a safe play week in and week out, but he just doesn't strike me as a guy that can make that next step. Meanwhile, Jane Daniels, we saw this past year, dude almost ran for 900 yards. Again, like that's an upside I don't see with Cameron Rising, at least of right now. Again, do I think Daniels can bottom out more than Rising can? Yeah, sure. Again, especially with Nussmeyer breathing down Daniels' neck, Next, next offseason, he has some rough games. He could get replaced. Obviously, some risk there. But rising, like, I look at these stats from this past year. I just don't see him really going much beyond this. Again, you're right. He does get some great weapons back. Uh, Money Parks, Devon Bailey, both great wide receivers. Pretty underrated wide receiver weapons there at Utah, I would say. And we'll talk about Brant Keithy here in a bit. Um, in terms of how this impacts everything else, not really a ton of things. Like, I think we all kind of agreed that if Rising moved on, that Utah would probably be looking in the transfer portal for a starting quarterback. But again, with Rising gets coming back, I don't think they're looking at that. They might... Again, Bryson Barnes looks like the, the QB2 here. Maybe with another year under his belt, he can be the the guy a year from now. But... I don't think it really impacts a ton of other guys in the CFF landscape. Nate Johnson's still there too. So. Yeah, Nate Johnson, the freshman. Um, yeah, and, and 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 if Daniels is like the unquestioned starter, I agree with you. I just, I worry, I worry like this early on. I worry if that's if that's going to be the case or not. See, like I think he again. I'm putting the air quotes around anything regarding a QB competition at LSU. I really think they're kind of. I think they're doing disservice to both of those guys by pretending that QB battle, quote-unquote, is anything but. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts you have on Cam Rising before we move on? Nope. All right. Let's go talk about some of these running backs here. And we're going to talk about two running backs from two Big Ten schools. And the first one we're going to talk about is Mr. Blake Corum. The running back seven from this past year would have finished higher had he stayed healthy the last two games of the season, no doubt about it. 247 rushing attempts for almost 1,500 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns. Also caught 11 passes for 80 yards and a touchdown. The unquestioned RB1 at Michigan this entire year. Donovan Edwards getting nicked up definitely helped him out in that front. But he is now back, and honestly, shout out to Chris K for calling this like two months ago that Corum would be the surprise running back to return. I thought he was good as gone, considering all the hype he had, but the power of hashtag unfinished business was too much, and let's be real, these Michigan players want to come back for another year, because two years in a row, they made the playoffs, they beat Ohio State, and they think they can do more than that. They have a national championship on their mind and honestly it's going to be that way with or without Jim Harbaugh as their head coach we'll see what happens with Harbaugh and the NFL but Corum came back for a reason I think that is this is the reason right here he wants a national championship to add to his resume what do we think about this justice though because Donovan Edwards is back he's healthy can we count on Corum being this top CFF running back or could we just have two top CFF running backs and him and Edwards, and we shouldn't worry about anything? I mean, I think Quorum can be, and I I think the the, the biggest positive for Quorum is you know he's going to be the goal line back, right? They they demonstrate in the TCU game they don't want to give Donovan Edwards the ball at the goal line for whatever reason. I don't it doesn't make any sense to me, but 
you know, they, they, they clearly don't like using him along the goal line. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think you can count on quorum for a, probably a, at least top 10 for sure. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll give him a more break, more rest and kind of rotate him and Edwards more than more so than they did this uh, past season. But I mean, I think you're still talking probably 1200 yards and 12 to 15 touchdowns for him. Yeah, I think that's 100% in the cards and like him and Edwards are both very explosive backs. So they don't need 25, 30 touches a game to make you happy in your CFF life. All they really need each is like 15 to 18 carries per game, and they're probably getting a touchdown or two each game. You should be plenty fine there. I don't think you'll have the ceiling that he had this year, but I think definitely you're looking at one of the safer plays in CFF next year. Um, In terms of how this impacts others, again, Donovan Edwards, definitely a bit of a stock down for him. Donovan Edwards probably would have been a top five CFF running back for me next year had... Quorum gone off to the draft, but now that Quorum's back, obviously I don't think Edwards has that ceiling anymore. But also the other person this impacts, CJ Stokes, uh, the freshman running back there. I mean, to be fair, Stokes was already impacting his own stock because when when Quorum went out and they did rely on Stokes a little bit, he just did not perform very well in some of the games they had him in. But this kind of solidifies that. Stokes probably isn't making that step up to RB2 next year. And quite frankly, with some of the talent that they're bringing in, like Cole Cabana, uh, the freshman running back they're bringing in this year, I would be a little bit shocked if we ever see Stokes be that main running back for Michigan. But who knows? We will see. Any more thoughts you have, Justice, on Corum before we get out? Excuse, uh, before we move on. Excuse me. No, I mean, I think I think he came back. I think a big factor was the injury if he hadn't got injured i don't know that he comes back but other than that i mean i think i was really high on edwards last all season um i really kind of thought it'd be more of a, a split backfield than it ended up being um but the fact that they just refused to use him along the goal line just kind of tempers my expectations for edwards and it's kind of wheels up for quorum yep absolutely fair enough all right, for one Big Ten powerhouse to another, let's go talk about this Ohio State running back backfield. And we're specifically going to talk about Mr. Mayan Williams, the running back there at Ohio State, top running back there this year. RB 58 on the year, uh, 128 rushing attempts, 825 yards, four t- 14 touchdowns. You may be saying, Jared, that's kind of a relatively pitiful performance. Why are we talking about this guy coming back on I say that to you because Ohio State, their their top running back has typically been a CFF goldmine the last couple of years with Urban Meyer, with Ryan Day, both. And Trayvon Henderson, in his freshman year, really looked like that top guy was going to take over Ohio State for three straight years. He gets injured this year. Mayan Williams, him and Mayan Williams go back and forth on who's injured, who's not. But Mayan Williams ended up being the number one running back for Ohio State this year. And a lot of people thought, okay, that's probably the best it's going to be for Mayan Williams. Travion comes back healthy next year. He's probably going to get regulated to RB2 duties once again. He should go off to the draft, and then next year it's back to the Travion show. Well, he comes back here, and now we have a true 
just clog at running back at Ohio State this next year because you got Mayan Williams, Trayvon Henderson, Dallin Hayden, the four-star freshman running back there, performed very well for them down the stretch late in the year when everybody was injured. And then everybody kind of forgets Evan Pryor. The other four-star sophomore running back they had this year got injured right before the season. If you watch their spring game, Evan Pryor was like the best receiving back they had in that spring game. You could tell they were going to utilize him well out of the backfield. He's back. And none of these guys transferred out. Again, it's striking to me how much of a clog there is at Ohio State now. So, Justice, what are your thoughts on Mayan Williams coming back? And what do you th- what do we do with this Ohio State running back situation next year? I mean, I, I really thought Mayan was gone. I think uh, – I mean, I'm guessing the Ohio State staff sold him on a – you know, that there's going to be a more of a share than you would typically think. It's the only thing I can think of why he would come back. Um because it wouldn't shock me like Travion Henderson comes back and he just goes bonkers, right? Yeah. But may- maybe secretly Travion is taking the Zach Evans approach and doesn't want, you know, a lot of carries. I don't know. Um, we have to ask uh, Matt Bruni if he has any inside information for us. But um, yeah, I should have a- I should have asked Matt before we came on here about what's going on here in this backfield because, like, I don't know what to do with these guys. I really don't. I mean, I think Travion would want to show out, right? I mean, it's his. It's his. This is money know, year, right? Exactly, and so I just, I, I'm really, I'm really surprised that Mayan, Mayan's coming back. And like Mayan, like again, you got 825 yards and 128 carries. That's almost six and a half yards per touch. Like, do we? Does Mayan think that he's going to have that same efficiency this next year? Like, I don't think so. Again, he was he looked explosive. He answered a lot of questions for anybody that might want to be drafting him. I don't know. I I figured with how many running backs are back there, talented running backs at Ohio State, that Mayan would have just taken the opportunity. I had a good year. Let me go off to the draft. And quite frankly, maybe, maybe I'm being selfish from a CFF perspective here and just saying, like, that commit, I wanted this backfield to be less complicated. But here we are. He is back. Well, and what are, what are almost you... almost a third of his points came from that one game against Rutgers. Oh, perfect, exactly. <laughs> um, from from a fantasy perspective, so what are you doing here, Justice, with this backfield? Like your draft, your draft. Do you how high do you draft Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson? Like how are you playing this? I mean, I I think Henderson's gonna. If I'd be a little worried about drafting him as my RB one. It'll be a lot more comfortable if he was my second running back. Um, but there's probably someone that's going to take a chance on Henderson as their RB1, right? If that's um, the case, I will have zero shares of Trajan yeah, this year. I just feel like someone's going to do it. Um, I mean, I'd be much more comfortable maybe taking Henderson in the second round than the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, my end's probably someone that I would avoid um, unless unless you're trying to handcuff with Henderson. Or you're getting him super late. He's probably going to go earlier than I would take him if I didn't own Henderson. If these guys go in the range that I'm kind of thinking that they're going to go, again, we haven't done any mock drafts yet. We're still trying to figure out. Right, again, we'll we'll see over the next couple of weeks what those look like, where people are being taken. Off the top of my head, I might have zero shares of either one of these guys if they're going where I kind of project them to go in drafts. 
we'll see. Maybe I'm proven wrong. Maybe they kind of drop a little farther than I'm expecting. But right now, I don't want any part of this. All right, let's go talk about some wide receivers here. And let's first go over to the Sunshine State. Oh, actually, no, not the Sunshine State because that's Florida. We're not going to Florida. We're going to Arizona across the country. I need to learn these uh, state nicknames a lot better. But anyway, we're going to Arizona. Let's talk about Jacob Cowling. Uh, great year for him at Arizona. Uh, the entire Arizona offense was clicking. 128 targets, 85 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns. Finished as the wide receiver 20 on the year. I thought that Cowling was going to be one of these G5 wide receivers that would hop up to the Power 5 level, have a really good year, and then just go on to the draft. Because that seems to be a strategy for some of these top G5 wide receivers. Do well at the G5 level, hop up to a Power 5 school, get that recognition, and then go to the draft. Cowling comes back for another year after, in my opinion, a good enough year for him to go off to the draft. So I was a little surprised by that. Definitely impacts the other receivers on this team dorian singer the other wide receiver that was there at arizona he was the wide receiver 24 this past year he is off to usc we'll talk about that impact in another date but this kind of opens up the door for touch ryan mcmillan to probably be the clear wide receiver too for this offense but if you're a uh, T-Mac fan like myself and you drafted him as a freshman you were kind of hoping that he would be somebody that we might be looking at starting as the wide receiver one for this offense by year two with Cowling moving on and then Singer uh, whether he went to the draft or transferred but Justice your thoughts on Jacob Cowling and his impact on CFF this year Um, I mean I think he's gonna I think he can add to those numbers like you said with Singer gone um, obviously, you expect uh, McMillan to pick up a big portion of that, but I, I, I also expect you know Cowing maybe to get maybe two hundred, two hundred more yards, maybe two more touchdowns, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, Delora's back. Um, their 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 offense played really really well <laughs> last year. Um, I, I mean, I think I'm not sure why he decided to come back other than maybe the top end of this draft is, you know, really good with receivers, but I don't know that next year is any worse. Um, Might be even better. Um, But I think from a fantasy standpoint, he's definitely someone I would be interested in. I think um, he's probably, I'm guess. I mean, I haven't done any rankings yet or not, but I'm guessing he's going to be a top five receiver. I'm looking at my preliminary rankings right now. I currently have him as wide receiver six. That could change, but I definitely have him pretty high up there. Because again, you give me a. Because again, he got injured this past year. That's something I forgot to mention is that he was banged up for a decent portion of the year and still finished with over a thousand receiving yards. They didn't have a bowl game or anything. So that's true. 1,000 yards throughout the regular season. I've been very impressed by him. I think he could be in for a major step up next season. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's really no defenses to be worried about in the Pac-12 other than Utah. Nope. So, um, you know, a lot of shootouts, which you know, great for fantasy purposes. Exactly, especially especially wide receivers. Moving on to our next wide receiver, Mister Malachi Corley. 
Uh, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky, 141 targets this past year for 101 receptions, 1,293 yards and 11 touchdowns. He also had 87 yards on the ground. Finished as the wide receiver 13 in CFF. You gotta love how things are kind of coming together for Mr. Corley here. He was the number one wide receiver in yards after catch this past year. Not just in for Western Kentucky, not for the, his conference, the CUSA, not just for the group of five, but for all of FBS. Dude is an absolute monster after the catch. Loves to make guys miss. Easily the best option left for Western Kentucky with Daywood Davis and Jalen Hall both going off to the draft he has his quarterback austin reed returning after a brief flirtation with the transfer portal the big question really becomes their offensive coordinator they lose ben arbuckle to washington state but they do bring in drew hollingshead from mississippi state he was the inside wide receivers coach there for mississippi state a air raid protege you have to think that means they're still going to go pass heavy with the system, and that should easily benefit Mr. Corley. Justice, your thought on Malachi Corley? I mean, I think he's probably top two, three receiver for CFF. I got um, two. I mean, the only person I guess think maybe you have above him is probably Marvin Harrison Jr. So. Yep, nailed it. <laughs> um, the the like you said, the uh, he's got his quarterback back. He lo- they lose two other receivers. That's all positive. Um, another positive is they stay in Conference USA True. while half a, almost half of Conference USA leaves, goes to the American. So Conference USA is only going to get weaker in terms of competition. Um, so Liberty joins uh, Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State. Yep. Um, and, and so, New Mexico State. And, I'm sorry, and New Mexico State. Yeah. So Don't forget the Aggies, Justice. Never forget the Aggies. The competition gets uh, – gets, um, you know, not the conference USA was great to begin with, but it gets even you know less. I guess um, I wouldn't say. So with a new offensive coordinator, you know, obviously it's going to be pass heavy, but I don't. I mean, I don't know that. What concerns me is that I don't know that that system, that you know, the air raid system is going to be as favorable as what Western Kentucky was running previously. Um, it just, you know, you, you look at Mississippi state, you even look at Mike Leach's time at Washington state. Um, they spread, they seem to spread the ball around a lot. Um, guys had a lot of catches, but not necessarily not a lot of yards. Um, and so I'm be interested to see how that impacts Corley. Um, you, you would think that perhaps you might see a better blend of the two systems, maybe, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Corley. I I think, you know, like you said, he's probably the wide receiver too in drafts. He's going to go high. I mean, they spread it around this past year at Western Kentucky as well. I mean, that's why Malachi Corley didn't finish with Jared Stern's numbers. But I, like you had three, or excuse me, four receivers catch more than 50 balls last year at Western Kentucky. Again, I agree with you. There's probably a little bit of concern in, in terms of like the... Depth the yardage of tar- is what the, me. The depth, the how far they're throwing it down the field. But again, they have Austin Reed. Austin Reed is more comfortable with throwing it down the field. I would say it's a bigger concern for a guy like Cameron Ward with Ben Arbuckle's system over at Washington State because Ward has trouble kind of pushing the ball down the field, at least accurately. Um, 
Austin Reed, they're not going to have that problem. He's very comfortable throwing it around. I bet you that, again, I know that, um, what is what is his name? I forgot, forgot it off the top of my head. It is, um, I know that Hollingshead from Mississippi State, again, it's Air Raid, but I feel like they're bringing him in with the knowledge of like, hey, you see what they did last year, first time right. offensive coordinator? Yeah. Basically do that and you're good and we're not going to have to worry about anything here. That's certainly the hope, right? That That For is sure. the hope. But regardless, you go from one pass-heavy system to another, I think we're still going to be mostly pretty fine. My my big concern with Corley is if no other receivers really step up for Western Kentucky, does it become easier for defenses to kind of bracket Corley? But at the same time, it's CUSA, so it's like they probably don't don't have the talent to do that. So No, I mean, UAB was probably the best defensive team there. And they're and they're gone to the Americans, so exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as other receivers, Matheson's still there. Yes, right. Um, and then Dalvin Smith, um, and and at times Dalvin Smith, they both had their moments this past season. So I agree. I'm, you know, they, they I think they can step up and and help Corley for sure. Absolutely. All right, two more main guys we'll focus on, and then we'll get to the transfer portal and coaching news. Uh, this one will go through kind of quickly. This one's not as impactful as some of the other guys we talked about here, but it was a guy that surprised me, and I think he could be in for a big step up next year in terms of his CFF production. I'm talking about Mr. Antoine Wells, the wide receiver out of South Carolina. 92 targets, 68 receptions, 928 yards, and six touchdowns this past year. Uh, had a, a few rushing attempts to the ground, got a touchdown out of it. Finishes the wide receiver 36 on the year, he has his quarterback, Spencer Rattler, returning to South Carolina as well. Always a big up right there. Had a really strong finish, I would say, overall to the year against Vanderbilt. Four catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns. In their monster game against Tennessee, Wells caught 11 balls for 177 yards. Couldn't find the end zone, but again, that's just a bit more unlucky. Actually, nope, never mind. Uh, that's not true. He did find the end zone. He just got it on a three-yard three, uh, three yard rushing touchdown, just didn't get it through the air. Uh, and then against Clemson, another one of their bigger games of the year, nine catches, 131 yards, and two touchdowns. Kind of went out on a whimper in the bowl game, five catches, 30 yards, no touchdowns in against Notre Dame. But even still, I think there's plenty of reason to suspect that Wells could easily be Spencer Rattler's number one wide receiver going into the next year. Another year under that system. They bring in a new offensive coordinator, so another kind of reason for concern. What do you think, Justice, about Antoine Wells? I think the key for Juice Wells is consistency. Um, it, you know, if he's going to take that next step, it's going to be because he's consistent. Um, like like you said, he, he you know goes from you know thirty five points against Tennessee to two points against Florida, or you know same thing. You know, he had he had those two big games at the end of the year, and then. Against Notre Dame, he doesn't really do much, and that you kind of saw that pattern throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if he if he can be consistent, and you're getting him as your wide receiver too, you're going to be a super happy guy, you know. So, and I kind of feel that's kind of where he's going to be drafted as a, as a second wide receiver in most leagues. Um, and if he can be consistent, he's gonna he's you're going to be a happy owner. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at my rankings right now. I currently have him as wide receiver 22. So I agree with you right there in that wide receiver two range. 
I again, I see all the pieces coming together for him to have a really, really good year. Definitely the biggest concern is that offensive coordinator hire for South Carolina doesn't inspire a ton of confidence there. Um, any more thoughts on Juice Wells before we hit our last guy here? Well, I mean, the other thing is I don't know that there's a lot of other competition for catches, right? You had, you had Bell True. left, Stogner left, um, none of their other receivers really. Van really, left. Yeah. So, He's out of eligibility. Um, and, and obviously with Rattler coming back. Um, yeah, I think Rattler is trying to prove himself to the NFL. And so all, all those things, uh, you know, point to – a very a potential really good season for Juice Wells. Yep, I definitely agree. One last guy we'll touch on here. It is our one tight end on the list. We briefly, briefly mentioned his name earlier when we were talking about Cameron Rising. But Brant Keithy, the injured tight end this last year at Utah, uh, before he was injured, 29 targets for 19 receptions, 206 yards, and three touchdowns. His first five, or th- excuse me, first three games of the season. Nine catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Three catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. Five catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. And then he got injured in the game against Arizona State. You might be saying, like, well, he's got to make a big step up to be a CFF-relevant tight end this next year because he was only this tight end 77. Again, he was injured. but That he was, was in, seven, what, three games? <laughs> I, was in, I was saying three games, he's already tight end 77. But also... Kincaid was the tight end, too, last year. He's off to the draft. Yep. And he c- becomes one of the veteran receiving options for Cameron Rising. I think it's part of the reason why Cameron Rising was willing to come back is because he has this epic safety blanket known as Brant Keithy. And the only other really competition there is at tight end with Keithy is Thomas Yasmin. And I do like Thomas Yasmin. He's a redshirt senior, been there a long time, has some very explosive plays this past year. Wouldn't doubt that he would be a potential CFF relevant tight end next year as well. But again, I think Keithy pretty much is clearly one of those guys that Utah is going to have to rely on this next year. If if they're going to repeat what they did with Kincaid whatsoever. What do you think, Justice? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think he's tight end number two behind Bowers. Um, and personally, I probably I will probably own more Keithy than I will Bowers just because of where you're gonna have to draft him. Um, tight end too. I I think I, I think he can finish there for sure. Could be. I I, I don't. I mean, yeah. To me, Yasmin is a, is more of a complimentary tight end. I think. Then you know he's not he's not Kincaid. I guess is my point. Um, gotcha. And so I I think that that you know Keithy's gonna have a very good see as long as he can you know stay injury free he'll have a really really good year. Um, I don't I don't know maybe you know Jared what where was he after three games he might have been tight end one right I actually can I can look that up give me one second uh, i'm thinking he probably i'm thinking he probably was but um the Brant and that was with kincaid there so the brant keithy after three games was tight end two was bowers number one Admire, i Mayor. cj donaldson oh Don- was number oh. one yeah okay so <laughs> so yeah if cj donaldson still has tight end eligibility on fan tracks then I could see Keithy not being tight end number two. Um, but if we're talking about like guys that actually play tight end, um, he's probably tight end two for me. 
Yeah, you're, you're, you're convincing me a little bit. I'm over here looking at my rankings, just kind of moving Keithy up just a little bit. I think I'm probably going to keep him at, I think the highest I can get him right now is tight end four, if you include C.J. Donaldson in your tight end rankings. Yeah, I'd I, probably put him three if, I am, if I'm including Donaldson as a tight end. Like, I, I still have Jatavian Sanders ahead of him because I really like what Sanders did this past year, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping they fix those O-line issues, kind of figure out that passing game at Texas a little bit more. He should be a monster for Texas next year. But overall, I agree with you. Like, him coming back is a major, major piece for CFF next year. In a year where it is Brock Bowers and everybody else, Keithy makes the case to be that clear number two tight end for CFF next year. Yeah, because I mean the other tight ends like Priestcorn and Treor, I don't necessarily know that they. I mean they they improve their level of competition, but I don't know that they're going to maintain their you know level of statistics at those new places. I agree one hundred percent. Them transferring out definitely kind of weakened the tight end class overall because now we have less guys that we just know are going to be good. Yeah, we'll definitely see again. Those are our ten surprising returning players for CFF in 2023. Just running through them quick again. Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, Cameron Rising, Blake Cora, Mayan Williams, Jacob Cowing, Malachi Corley, Antoine Wells, and Brant Keithy. All of them have pretty major impacts on CFF for next season. All names you need to be remembering and knowing. Some of them for good reasons, some of them for bad reasons. Um, but now... Let's move on to uh, kind of running through some of this transfer portal news that we've been hearing about recently. Again, we're not going to break any player down specifically here. Uh, We're going to kind of do what we do normally with the honorable mentions where I'm going to run through like five of them pretty quickly. And then we are going to just kind of discuss them all in general. So, yeah, back to Portapalooza. Let's start with these quarterbacks here. A couple of interesting things going on here. So, first of all, Malik Hornsby, the quarterback out of Arkansas, heading over to Texas State. And uh, G.J. Kinney over there, that new system over there. Sam Jackson, the four-star freshman quarterback out of TCU, he is out of there. He is over to California, where that QB competition is wide open after Jack Plummer has transferred out. Five-star quarterback Walker Howard, the quarterback out of LSU, is transferring out. The rumor destinations currently are TCU and Old Miss. Chandler Rogers, the starting quarterback out of Elon Monroe, heading over to North Texas. Not sure what's going on with Austin One over there. Uh, we think he might have another year of eligibility. Again, it's a little confusing what's going on with him right now. But if Chandler Rogers can start in a potential Eric Morris offense, that could be a ton of fun there for CFF. And then last but not least, out of these five, Sawyer Robertson, the four-star freshman, or not freshman quarterback, the four-star backup quarterback out of Mississippi State, heads over to Baylor, presumably to back up Mr. Blake Shapin, the starting quarterback for the Bears. So, Justice, out of these five, are there one or two that you feel like you really, really need to talk about that you're excited about? I would say Hornsby is probably the one I'm most excited about with uh, with Kenny there as the new head coach um, and seeing what he did at Incarnate Word last year. Um, their quarterback had 4,600 yards passing. I think it was 60 yards, 60 passing touchdowns. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. something just absolutely nuts. Six, 60 passing touchdowns, 700 yards rushing, and another 11, 11 on the ground. And so, I, yes, I, I'm ex- – if Malik Hornsby is the QB one, which you think – I mean, 
I would assume he's absolutely is. I mean, that's the, I think that's the reason he went to Texas State. He wants to play quarterback. Yep. Um, and so I'm very excited about Malik Horns being what he can do in that GJ Kenny offense. And um, they're in the Sun Belt West. Um, and so I, you know, I, that's not necessarily as brutal, I think, as the Sun Belt East. So, nope. um, yeah, very, very excited what Hornsby can do there. Yeah, and just real quick on that, like, you might be thinking to yourself, like, oh, Malik Hornsby, he's not a very good passer, right? Like, again, his whole thing has been his legs. Lindsey Scott Jr., the quarterback we just mentioned for Incarnate Word, has bounced around everywhere, never been really that much of a passer. Uh, only pa- Before this year, it only passed for 2,000 yards or more just once in his career. All of a sudden, uh, G.J. Kinney comes in, passes for 4,600 yards, 60 touchdowns. I don't think that is the problem. I think it's the system. Whatever the quarterback in that system is, you're going to want them for this year. Any of these other guys you want to touch on, Justice, before we move on? Um, I mean, you know, Chandler Rogers, like you said, um, Gunnell's still there. Um, and so I think whoever wins that battle, um, is someone of interest. Mm-hmm. I will say just from a, a coaching note, I think, I think Texas state, I, I like the Kenny hire. I think he's, I think he's going to end up being a better hire than Eric Morris is at, at North Texas. I personally agree. All righty. Got two more quarterbacks I'm going to throw out here real quick. First of all, I mentioned before when we talked about Washington, Sam Heward, the former five-star quarterback out of Washington. He is out of there. No real landing spot for him yet. And then Taven Jackson, the four-star freshman quarterback out of Tennessee. He has left Tennessee, and he is going to Indiana. The graphic does not show that. I forgot to update it before the show because he just committed there this morning. Either one of these guys, are you excited about Justice? Um, I think I would have been more excited if Jackson had gone to South Florida. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I watched I, I watched a little bit of Jackson in high school, and I wasn't watching Jackson. I was watching uh, some defensive players, and um, I, I wasn't overly impressed with him. But uh, if he had gone to South Florida and could run you know Tennessee style offense from a fantasy perspective, that that would be great. Um, That'd been beautiful. Yeah. But that is not the reality we live in. We live in the sad reality where he goes to Indiana. Although he has he has some interesting pieces in Indiana. Again, EJ Williams from Clemson went over there. So keep that in the back of your mind. I don't Cam think Cam Camper's still there, right? Uh no, he's out of eligibility. Is he I gone? believe. So okay. sad face. I do like Cam Camper. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's go to some of these running backs here. This one is a couple of big ones here. Treshawn Ward, the running back out of Florida State. He is going to Kansas State. This is your presumed replacement for Deuce Vaughn right here. And honestly, just a larger version of Deuce Vaughn. Ward has shown he can catch on the backfield. Probably not as good as Vaughn. But even so, the system is going to call for him to do it. I doubt he comes here unless he thinks that he could perform as well as Vaughn. I think this is your guy right here. Again, I do like uh, Giddens, the backup running back that they had there as well. If he, if nobody came in to replace Deuce Vaughn out of the portal, I would have loved Giddens this this year. But Sean Ward has the Power 5 experience. I think he is your main guy there next year. Brian Batty, the starting running back out of South Florida. He is headed to Auburn. Uh, definitely throws in a wrench into the plans of those who wanted Jarquez Hunter to be the number one running back for Auburn there next year. We can discuss that a little bit more. 
Sean Tyler, the running back at Western Michigan, originally was going to go to Oklahoma State, has flipped his commitment over to Minnesota. I have some thoughts on that one a little bit. Cavazier Smoke, the running back out of Kentucky, he is heading over to Colorado. Currently, I think you can pencil him in as uh, Deion Sanders' number one running back, considering he's the only one that he's brought in so far. I'd be a little hesitant there. And then Gerald Green, the running back at a Georgia Southern, he is headed over to Eastern Carolina. East Carolina is missing now Keaton uh, Mitchell, who's off to the draft. They have two good options there in Rajay Harris and uh, Marlon Gunn as well. That'll be a backfield that'll be interesting to see how it plays off during the offseason. Justice, your thoughts on any of these five guys? I would say the one that excites me the most is obviously Treshawn Ward. Um with uh, going to Kansas State, and I think I you hit it on the nail on the head. He's going to be their RB one there. Um, so from a fantasy perspective, he's the one that excites me the most. I would say Sean Taylor going to Minnesota just kind of disappoints me because mm-hmm. that would lead you to believe there's going to be a little more of a a share in that backfield um, than than maybe you had hoped uh, you would see. Um, the others, I don't know that they really excite me one way or the other. Yeah, Sean Tyler going to Minnesota. There are, there are a couple of people, people I know, and I, I respect them dearly, who kind of hopped on Tyler going to Minnesota and said, like, no, this could be your number one running back for Minnesota next year. I'm like, I don't know how you can say that when they still have Treshawn Potts there, who is, the clear, who is the clear number one, number two back behind um, Muhammad Ibrahim and was honestly a CFF back in his own right, at least to start the season. And then you also have Zach Evans, who is a very talented uh, freshman running back this past year, who I enjoy what he did during the spring game. Kind of has been injured all year long. We'll see if he comes back, bounces back from that well. Tyler, to me, strikes me as, remember when Bucky Irving was at Minnesota and they kind of utilized him in that like pass-catching role, the smaller yeah. back, never... like. No matter how many times Ibrahim got injured, no matter how many times the guy ahead of him got injured, he was never the main back. It was always somebody else who would come up because he was too small. I think the same thing happens to Sean Tyler. I'm personally not investing in him whatsoever. What do you think, Justice, about Brian Batty and Auburn? Uh, how do you think this shakes out for Hugh Freeze and them? Do you think Hunter is still the main guy because he is the SEC experience? He's performed well already. Or do you I go with so. Brian Batty? I, I think Hunter's still the guy. I think Batty's kind of, you know, insurance, if you will. And, and uh, so I don't know that I'm, I, I don't know that I'm overly excited to be drafting the Auburn running back at this point right now anyway, but um, I, I think Hunter will be the starter. All righty. Fair enough. All right. Let's hit some wide receivers here. We got two sets of five for this one. First up, we have J. Michael Sturdivant, the wide receiver out of California, the second-year breakout for them. He is headed across town, basically, and is going to UCLA. There were rumors he might go to Tennessee as well as TCU. I personally think he landed in the best spot possible at UCLA. A lot of vacated receiving production there. You're going to have one of two good uh, quarterbacks there to throw it to you, whether it's Colin Schley or Dante Moore. We will see. I think he'll be fine either way. I think he steps into the number one wide receiver role pretty easily. Probably the only person I'd be concerned about is maybe Cam Brown, who's been at UCLA for a good long while now. We'll see. 
Dante Thornton, the wide receiver out of Oregon, he is headed over to Tennessee. Tennessee, I think, definitely needed another outside wide receiver right there. I think this is your guy right here. So your three main guys for next year, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, and Brew McCoy will be your three for Tennessee next year. Eddie Lewis, the number one wide receiver for Memphis, he is heading out of there. Memphis losing quite a few of their weapons uh, from this past year. Kind of, I'm interested to hear see how Memphis goes the rest of the offseason but eddie lewis a number one wide receiver for an aac team you would think he could probably find himself a pretty decent landing spot Corey brucker the wide receiver out of south carolina is headed back to where he originally came from that is arkansas state i'll be interested to see how that system plays out they don't have james blackman anymore they got aj meyer coming in to uh, be the next quarterback we'll see if that system runs well and then andrew anthony the wide receiver out of michigan headed over to oklahoma andrew anthony has been one of those guys at michigan where he has shown flashes he has taken over some games especially with his speed and deep threat ability maybe he finds second life at oklahoma couldn't really find the field this that much for michigan this past year justice your thoughts on any of these five guys um, like you, I think uh, the JMS one is, is the one that excites me the most um, If in terms of fantasy. Um, he could certainly be their wide receiver one. And then, you know, with more there from a long, more orchally, whoever's going to be the starter there, um, I think he has some long-term stability at quarterback. Um, Thornton, I would say, I kind of want to see how spring shakes out. Okay. Um, I believe Keaton still has a year left if he wants it. Um, you know, like you, you said, they have Squirrel Williams. They also had uh, Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod from last year's recruiting class too. Obviously, Brew McCoy. So I kind of want to see how that shakes out before I would want to, and you know, see how see how the spring goes before I would invest heavily in Thornton. Um, I'm also a little bit excited about Anthony because he showed some flashes at Michigan. Um. And so hopefully he can uh, rekindle some of that in Oklahoma in a, in a better, much better pass offense. So, yeah. Yeah, we will definitely have to see. Uh, next set of five wide receivers. Houston lands two out of the transfer portal. He got the freshman phenom from Oklahoma State. Steven Johnson comes over to Houston. They also land the top wide receiver from Wyoming in Joshua Cobbs. Uh, in addition to that, Brian Hightower, the number two wide receiver at Illinois, transfers out, heads over to California, and normally I wouldn't be super excited about California prospects, but again, they got Sam Jackson there, J. Michael Sertivant did pretty well for them last year. I am keeping that one in the back of my mind. I'm definitely not drafting him anytime soon unless I start hearing really, really crazy things there. And then USC loses two of their longtime wide receivers in Gary Bryant Jr., and Kyle Ford, no, uh, actually no, Gary Bryant Jr. is currently rumored to be heading to Miami. That could be kind of interesting, especially if we see a resurgent uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Haven't heard anything on Kyle Ford in terms of where he could be heading as well. Justice, before you kind of give your thoughts overall on this one, I'm really interested in Houston right now because I love Matthew Golden. I do, y'all. I, I think that he is probably the most talented receiver on that field. My problem is I'm starting to have some doubts. And just as you can call me crazy about this, but I'll kind of lay my thought process out here. Matthew Golden's had a couple of opportunities this year to really show out 
as that clear next guy after Nathaniel Dell. Nathaniel Dell has been out for a few games throughout the season, or at least been limited. He hardly played in the bowl game. It gave uh, Matthew Golden an opportunity to step up, and in each time, Matthew Golden hasn't really separated himself from the rest of this wide receiver group, at least as of yet. Again, he's a freshman, plenty of time to grow, but it is a little worrying that Houston is bringing in guys like Stephon Johnson out of Oklahoma State, guys like Joshua Cobbs, he's one being a another young, phenomenal guy who performed well his freshman year out of Oklahoma State, the other one being a veteran who has has starting experience coming over from, from Wyoming. It doesn't help that Sam Brown is also was also performing well towards the end of the season for Houston. I don't know. Am I right to have some doubts with Matthew Golden kind of heading into the offseason? Um, I don't necessarily have doubts. I think, you know, he's a, he was a freshman, right? And so I think yeah. that's, what you, that's what you saw there was, you know, a, was a freshman. Um, obviously, I think sometimes we get spoiled when you see you know, a freshman, you know, be consistent and have a, have a, uh, great, uh, great season game to game. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, overly concerned about golden. Um, I kind of, I mean, they lose Keshawn Carter. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think that I think that's kind of where you see Cobbs and Johnson make sense. Um, I don't know. They had a lot of depth behind Dell Carter, golden and Brown. Right. And so they're losing, mm-hmm two of those four guys so that's kind of it doesn't it doesn't concern me that much okay fair enough i just thought i would kind of throw that out there uh you have any comments on hightower bryant or ford um i think you know bryant and ford um obviously where they land um you know we kind of kind of like to see i I, from a fancy standpoint you'd like to see them maybe go to a uh a group of five school right Mm -hmm. where they can you know probably dominate um Doubtful that that's what they'll do, but you know, from a fantasy standpoint, it would be good, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple more names I want to throw out here. Again, I'm not going to comment or anything on these, but I uh, just want people to know who are listening that these transfers happened. Uh, Wisconsin lands two wide receivers in Oklahoma State's Bryson Green and USC's CJ Williams. Uh, Cavone Lee, the running back at a Penn State, uh, longtime veteran there. He is headed out from Penn State as well. Kind of opens the door for Singleton and Allen to really take over next year. And then from tight end news, Caden Prescorn, uh, the tight end, what would he finish as last year? The tight end five from last year out of Memphis. He is headed over to Ole Miss. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see how it's out. I don't really like that. Uh, both both for Prescorn and for Trigg. So, yeah. Last topic we'll hit up here. We're going to run through some of these coaching changes that have happened recently. And the first one is one I don't think a lot of people saw coming. I think a lot of people knew this guy was on the market, but this is not the team they expected to land him. To land him. And quite frankly, it kind of shook things up quite a bit. Clemson lands Garrett Riley as their new offensive coordinator. They fire Brandon Streeter and in the same day pick up Garrett Riley from TCU. I have been saying that Garrett Riley would be an excellent hire for Alabama for when they need to replace their offensive coordinator position because they're not keeping Bill O'Brien for another year. I I can bet you money on that. Um, But instead it's Clemson. Clemson comes in and pulls off a heist here. We, a lot of us have been making fun of Dabo for not being willing to hire outside help for the offense. 
and he goes and lands one of the top guys in the market. This is absolutely stock up for guys like Cade Klubnik. You have to think this is going to help out Will Shipley now that they he's not going to be facing eight, nine-man boxes consistently. Uh, you got to think that guys like Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, and Joseph Angata all probably get a little bit of stock up here. We'll see who's the top receiver option come the season. Justice, your thoughts here? I think it's a great hire for Clemson. Um, and like you said, I think it's it's great from a, from a fantasy perspective. It's great for the Clemson offense. Um, you know, I've seen people like, you know, joke and knock Clemson hiring them based on the uh, performance against Georgia. Um, but and that's I think that's just people just, you know, trying to take a jab. Um, I think it's absolutely great hire. Um, you know, you, you saw what he was able to do. It. He, he turned Max Dugan into a uh, Heisman finalist, right? Yep. And so imagine what he's going to do with, you know, with the talent that um, Clemson can get. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I th- I think this is the home run hire of the offseason so far. Like, well done to Dabo. Well done to Clemson. Just great, great hire all around. I can't wait to see what it looks like next year. Next one up. This is from from a offensive coordinator hire that probably elevates everybody uh, on the team that they got hired to to an, one that I don't I don't say it's gonna de elevate everybody because again there's some people I think benefit from this but Mississippi State less exciting it's less exciting Mississippi State hires Kevin Barbe as their new offensive coordinator you might be saying to me Jared who who that is the offensive coordinator at Appalachian State he's been there for a couple of years now. Uh, if you love Cameron Peoples, if you love Nate Noel, those are your guys right there. This is definitely quite the shift for Mississippi State in terms of offensive philosophy. You go from air raid to a guy that loves to run the ball and run the ball well. I think this is definitely stock up for Jaclavius Marks, especially Dylan Johnson out of there. I think he's clearly the far away number one back for Mississippi State now. But if you're a Will Rogers fan, if you are a fan of really any of the receivers, I'm not going to say this kills their value because, again, we saw Chase Brown, especially in shootouts, perform well for Appalachian State several times. He's not afraid to pass, but when he can, he's going to want to run the ball first. And I think that's what you're going to see at Mississippi State kind of moving forward here. That's why I like this for Jaquavius Marks, but definitely a downgrade for Will Rogers and any of the receivers. Justice, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't know that it's going to take Mississippi that it's going to take Mississippi State to where they hope or want to be in terms of SEC positioning. Um, I yeah, I, I I I from a fantasy perspective and from a real life football perspective, I I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I you said he's just going to run the ball a lot. And again, gotta love Virtuquavius Marks, but again. It's, it's not going again i went back and forth with chris k a little bit today and again love love chris all day long uh but he he's still convinced that will rogers is like a potential like top 25 cff quarterback i don't know how you can say that with this is when this is well, their offensive coordinator hire and i think the other thing like with, with such a change and sh- you know with a shift of offensive philosophy right there's going to be growing pains there has to be mm-hmm. um, and so you know that would that would concern me too yeah absolutely let's move on to our third coaching hire here let's talk about brennan marion uh going to the offensive coordinator position at unlv he was previously the wide receivers coach at texas before that the wide receivers coach at 
uh, Pittsburgh. And before that, he was the offensive coordinator down at the FCS level. And he was very, very famous for his go-go offense. Very much a fast-paced offense. And if he can get that going at UNLV in the Mountain West, definitely a he's proven it before when he played UNLV at his previous stops when he was the play caller that he can get this system running against Mountain West style competition. If he can get it going at UNLV, it could definitely be a fun system to play around with at UNLV for this upcoming year. Ricky White returns. Uh, we'll see what they do at running back, but. Justice, your thoughts overall on Brennan Marion and UNLV? I mean, I think uh, it, it can be, you know, good for the UNLV offense. Um, so wheels up, I guess. I, I was a, I was a, uh, a little disappointed in in the firing of of the head coach there. I felt like you know he had things on track, um, but the, this from a fantasy standpoint, I think uh, Marion will will produce. You know, from a fantasy standpoint, their offense will produce, and that and that's important. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, I'm I'm definitely excited about this. Not a ton to say on it, just somebody to keep in, in the back of your mind and just start looking at those UNLV players just one extra time when you're doing your research. Last but not least, again, not another super impactful one, but I'm curious to see what, uh, what the school he is leaving does at offensive coordinator position, I believe. But Kirk Soraka, the offensive coordinator at Minnesota has been pretty much bought out and is now is the offensive coordinator over at Rutgers. Few things that we know about Kirk Soraka loves to run the ball and loves to feed a wide receiver one. So I currently could not tell you who those are going to be. For Rutgers this upcoming year, they have split the backfield quite a bit at Rutgers over the past couple of years, whether it's guys being injured or just trying out different guys, seeing who who works and who doesn't. We'll see. And again, none of their receiving options really stand out to me currently. But overall, that could definitely change what's going on over there at Rutgers. And this pretty much brings into question what's going to happen at Minnesota. Again, we already kind of have doubts a little bit that the Minnesota running backfield is going to be split just a little bit more. Uh, they've hired recently the running backs coach from NIU, who, if you followed NIU whatsoever, uh, Northern Illinois, they love to split up their backfield between several different backs. So we'll see if his influence causes that whatsoever. What do you think, Justice? So um, I... He had some good years at Minnesota his first time around. Um, and then he went to Penn State. Is that correct? Yes. And and then they rehired him. And he, he didn't do much. He didn't do really much at Penn State. And he didn't really do much, you know, in terms of uh, offense other than the running back last year um, at Minnesota. So, I don't know. It just kind of seems like a retread, if you will, for Rutgers. Um, I did want to mention, though, that Minnesota did um, elevate two staff members to the office to be co-offensive coordinators. Okay. So it's uh, the wide receiver coach, Matt Simon, who's going to take over the play calling duties. And then the other um, co-offensive coordinator is uh, Greg Harbaugh, Harbaugh Jr., who was the tight ends coach, who will now be the quarterback's coach. And no, he's not related to Jim or John Harbaugh. He is not. Okay. <laughs> he's not. 
So it's, again, it sounds like they're bringing some guys up from the inside and everything like that. But again, I still do worry a little bit about what they're going to do at running back next year because they don't have that clear number one guy like they did with Ibrahim. We'll see. I'd like to see them get back to the days where they produce also, you know, at least one, if not two, fantasy relevant wide receivers. That would be that would be quite Which fun. I, I think a lot of people were hopeful for last year with, with Soraka coming back, but that didn't happen. So. Well, it didn't help that Chris Ottman Bell got injured very early on in the year, and then nobody really stepped up. Uh, in terms of their wide receivers, again, they bring in Elijah Spencer and Corey Crooms, two G five guys. I don't know if either one of those guys is really going to step up. They got a lot of good options there. They don't have a lot. I don't think any of them are great options yet in terms of what we've seen so far. So yeah, they got to get better quarterback play too. So. Oh no, joke! I'm surprised <laughs> they haven't tried to get somebody out of the portal yet. Yeah, we we'll see if if Illinois can land Luke Altmyer. I feel like Minnesota, if they really tried, could land somebody decent. We'll see. All right, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of our show justice you have been incredible today man really appreciate you hopping on and discussing some of these returning players transfer portal news as well as some of our coaching changes and everything again you are a resident cff idp expert around here you also do a great job explaining cff and playing cff as well can you let the people know what kind of stuff you are working on over the next couple of months and what they can expect out of you so um you know i'm uh the IDP specialist over at Campus Canton. I'm uh, currently working on an article there for uh, the NFL draft, uh, going over the edge players and my my personal rankings for that. Um, I'm also on the Debbie IDP Grind podca- podcast, where we discuss you know college IDP. Um, hopefully, we are recording tomorrow night. We've been on a hiatus for a little while, and then uh, actually coming also this week, Tuesday night, I will be on. Um, I believe it's a toilet. Toilet to Titles podcast with Nino Ooh, Brown. Very nice. To talk about um, the NFL draft, specifically edge rushers and cornerbacks. So look forward to that. Um, and then I'm just, you know, looking at improving uh, some of the tools for IDP uh, for our campus Canton folks. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Justice is a great job around here. And if your, your stats that you provide in terms of points and everything – or IDP basically saved a lot of IDP leagues last year in terms yeah, of keeping up with, with it. With fan tracks not um not scoring IDP. And I don't yeah. see them I don't see them um changing that. It's a little surprising to me. I, I built I built a tool that can score it and it didn't cost me anything. So you would think someone like Fantrax could do something similar, but for whatever reason they don't. Probably some legal reasons that they just refuse to Could put, be, yeah. refuse to explain and, to and us. And I, I will say this: like I know that a big thing for them is live, right? Live stats, yeah, and, and that doesn't exist. So you no, know, not for defensive stats. You, no, you can't. You're, you're, you're looking like at least 24 hours out before you're getting reliable stuff. And if you're playing IDP, like you're okay with that for the most part. You you understand that it's difficult to get those stats, especially at a college level. But regardless, you're doing a fantastic job, Justice. Again, if you guys have any questions whatsoever regarding IDP or just, again, CFF in general, Justice is a smart guy when it comes to regular CFF as well. Go follow him on Twitter at Justice underscore 2318. Yes, I nailed it. 2318. Go follow him there. DM him. I'm sure he's willing to answer all of your questions over there. In terms of us over here at Campus at Canton, go check out all of our stuff on the podcast network. Again, Mondays, myself and Chasing the Natty and whoever I happen to have on. Campus Life on Tuesdays with Austin and Colin. 
Uh, back to Devi. If you're into Devi, that comes out on Wednesdays. Thursdays, you have the Canton Bound podcast, and the, or uh, Thursdays, you have Devi Debate, and then Friday, you have the Canton Bound podcast. Got a good five show set for you guys every single week. We are the CFF podcast, so if you love college fantasy, come listen to us every Monday morning. Again, uh, the way too early mock draft special that'll be coming out in the next two weeks i got 12 awesome cff guests from around the industry that'll be helping us put that together if you haven't watched last year's it's gonna be very similar to that uh it's one of my favorite things we put on every year again this is only the sick only the second year we've done it but like i I've, I've enjoyed putting it together both years and i think it really kind of helps provide a great kickoff point for cff moving forward it gives us an idea of what are the baseline values moving forward? Definitely be on the lookout for that. Nate Marquise has great articles coming for you guys, so check those out whenever they drop on the website. We're working on tools, and of course, of course, work at beginning work on that CFF guide that you guys are going to love having whenever the sum- summer comes around. So if you have any ideas regarding that, please feel free to DM me at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. Love to hear your guys' feedback on pretty much anything, so don't be shy. I don't bite. Really appreciate you guys listening, and you guys have a wonderful uh, rest of your week. See you guys next week. Have a blessed day.